Welcome to the Heart of Healing, the pandemic episodes. I am your host, Tom Fold. In these episodes, we'll meet loving, talented people who, while coping with their own pandemic stress, are offering others understanding, compassion, love, and ways to relax and heal even under the weight of current conditions. Listen with an open heart to those who in this time of crisis are offering their hearts and talents to us all. And I'm very happy today to have as our guest, Morgan Dodson, who is a life coach for people with ADHD. Welcome, Morgan. Hi, Tom. It's great to see you again. Thank you for having me today. It's delightful to have you. And to help us, me, you can start by explaining ADHD, which I often forget exactly what that is. Maybe I have it. <laughs> Possibly. Yeah. So ADHD stands for Attention Deficit Hyperactivity Disorder. And sometimes it's interchangeable with ADD, which is just minus the hyperactivity part. So in my own mind and my own life, I like to view it as a superpower, as something that actually I have a lot more focus rather than a lack of focus, right? I think a lot of times from the outside looking in, ADHD is viewed as, you know, the stereotypical 12-year-old boy in the classroom talking all day, won't shut up, won't sit down, right? And kind of bouncing off the walls. But especially for women, um, the hyperactivity for me is in my brain, right? And so it's kind of like it moves faster than normal, has lots of thoughts. And and often I feel like it can work like as a really strong computer versus like I cannot focus at all. So I think that is a huge misconception that a lot of people have is that we can't focus, but actually we have a lot of focus. Right. Well, it's just I, a matter I, of directing it. I would agree with you. That's, and also the other pr- prejudice, if you will, or misconception is this is about boys. Totally. Say up here, it's the boy who can't sit still in the classroom, of which there are many, but still you're talking about women. Also. It's more obvious. You're totally right. It's, it's often misdiagnosed or not diagnosed until, you know, I was 22 when I was diagnosed. And um, a lot of women in particular are diagnosed around menopause. And especially, you know, when they have children and those children go through the school system, a lot of times the children are diagnosed and the parents are, you know, with them through the whole process. And they're thinking, oh man, you know, all the things their counselor or, or whoever is diagnosing them is talking about, I have all that same stuff too. Do I have it? And that's often, you know, a a huge, a huge time in many women's lives for them to be diagnosed as well. So you're totally right. Yeah. And what, what would you understand to be your symptoms? What would be, if you wanted to say, gee, do I have it? The question first is what is it like? Yeah. And it's important also to note too, is even if you have ADHD, like, like for sure I do hundred percent, it often, you know, looks different from one person to the other versus a very standard list of symptoms. But like for me, whenever I, um, I actually was in therapy back in college and then after college for several years, and they had diagnosed me with anxiety and depression, which at the time made a lot of sense given my current life circumstances. And, um, eventually I had to switch therapists and the new one, she just diagnosed me out of the blue. It kind of fell in my lap. Right. Um, and so she kind of just said one day, Hey, yeah. So I think you have ADHD. And I said, what? No way. No, I don't. Because I grew up using over-organizing as a coping mechanism right? As a little girl, my family's house was very messy. You know, my parents did their best. They didn't know I had ADHD. So to kind of deal with like my very fast brain, I was over-organized. However, 
that's why I thought, no way I don't have ADHD because a lot of people with ADHD struggle with disorganization, whether it's their house is pretty disorganized or their papers or their brain just feels like really disorganized. That's a huge one for me. Um, in the ADHD world, there's this thing called time blindness, excuse me. And that was a huge indicator for me. Time blindness is kind of how we experience as ADHDers getting either lost in something, getting sucked in, it feels like a lot of times or hyper-focused. And so if something's interesting to me, like even just the example of like a puzzle, I love puzzles. So I could start a puzzle and it could be 2 PM. Right. And then I get sucked in and I just like, can't think about anything, anything else besides this puzzle. And I look up and I'm like, oh man, how is it already seven o'clock? Right. It feels like it's only been half an hour. Right. Yeah. Or on the flip side of that too, it's like, I could schedule a task for my day tomorrow to take 30 minutes. And then I show up and I do the thing and it takes three hours. And I'm like, what the heck happened? I thought this was supposed to take 30 minutes, which that could be for any number of reasons, but time blindness is kind of like on that side of the spectrum too, of severely underestimating how much time would take. And so over the years, I've kind of had to practice what I call time awareness, right? And it's literally just practicing, putting something on the calendar and deciding I'm going to let this take 30 minutes and then evaluating after you do it, you know, maybe it did take three hours. Okay. Let's learn from this over time. You can cultivate really like a precision in scheduling things and being onto yourself about how long something might take or how little time it might take. And then you can actually get more done is what I have found. So that's fascinating. um, How do you help somebody? Because I I think that in my own case, I believe that I'll be reading a book up at the side, you know, between, you know, Zoom calls or whatever during my day, I need a little break and I want to read a book and I'll go outside Mm -hmm. and read a book. But I'm pretty clear for myself that after 20, 30 minutes, I'm done. I mean, I love the book and so forth, but I need to get back. But that's there. It exists. Now, when it doesn't exist for somebody, how do you help somebody help, you know, frame it for themselves so that they're not out there going, I thought I was going to be here for 30 minutes. I'm here for four hours. What do you, can I clarify? What do you mean by it doesn't exist for you? No, what it exists for me is the awareness. The awareness. Okay, gotcha. This for me that I need to stop now and move on. Yeah. So when I'm working with a client and let's say they presented with, okay, Morgan, yesterday I scheduled half an hour. I was going to read my book on the porch. I went out there, ended up, I was there all afternoon. I scheduled it from one to one thirty. I look up, it's four o'clock. What the heck? Yeah. <laughs> right. right. And That's so then I mean. the process, yeah. right. And then, so the process then with them would really just be unpacking where did it go wrong in terms of not that anything was catastrophically wrong, but really looking at it like, Oh, fascinating. Right. Versus a lot of my clients struggle with a lot of self-judgment, which I have too in the past, which is why I'm so good at helping them through it. Right. right. And so a lot of times they can't learn from that experiment. Right. And I view it on purpose as an experiment, like, Hmm, that was a fascinating experiment. Now let's look at the data from it. And if you're judging yourself, you can't look at that data, right. Without judging yourself about what you did or didn't do right. Versus, Oh, that's fascinating. And then we can learn from it and move forward. Right. So it, it, there's any number of obstacles that it could have been right. It could have been, did you start the time block, right. With a really clear decision, right. Of 
I'm going to read for 30 minutes. And then my plan after that is stop reading. And here's my next thing, right? Or it could be I started and I didn't really clearly decide that it was going to take 30 minutes. I just kind of said to myself in my head, maybe 30 minutes would be good. We'll see, right? I've caught myself in that one so many times, right? But then the process is finding out a, what went wrong here? What can I learn from it? And then what do I want to do next time? Because I think that's the part too. It's like, you can learn from your experiment today or yesterday. Okay. Now what, right? Like, let's see what we want to do next time and decide ahead of time. Okay. You know, that deciding kind of flimsy, like a flimsy decision ahead of time that didn't really work. That's good to know. Right. And then moving forward, I really want to, you know, if, if it turns out reading is the thing that get easily lost in, right. Having that be a really clear decision moving forward of, I just know when I sit down to read, I'm going to lose track of time. Right. And also, you know, setting timers, isn't the end all be all to time management solutions, but in this context, you know, for me, it would be, oh, if I'm starting at one, I'm setting my watch timer for 30 minutes. When it dings, I get up. Right. And that works for you, right? It depends on the context, right? Like in the past, like I have this timer here on my desk that when the time is up, it just dings. And then sometimes I notice it, sometimes I don't, but I've learned that on my watch timer, I have an Apple watch. If I set an alarm, like a purposefully an alarm versus a timer, both of them really do this, but it will force me to take some kind of action, which for me is important sometimes. Like, let's say I'm the type of person who gets lost in the book. It gets to be half an hour and I'm totally in the zone. Don't even notice that it's 1:30, right? But if my watch is vibrating on my wrist, I have to take some kind of action. There's no ignoring it. I think yes. is what I'm trying to say. Right. Love and, that. um, so that's just one obstacle that has helped me a lot, um, overall in kind of cultivate, cultivating that time awareness. That makes sense. Now yeah. going to the beginning though, go back a ways to help people come to the, to get, let go of the shame, let go of the belief mm-hmm. that there's something wrong with them. How many people, how is this evolved in a person? Is it something that's biological? Is something that's uh, emotional content? What, what is the, the, the genesis of it, I guess? And how many people in the world seem to have it? I think every single human thinks that something's wrong with them, right? Well, that, no, that, wrong, otherwise, right? What'd you say? In terms of having a, you know, this disease or this oh, right, right, right. Yeah. particular um, function, mm-hmm. uh, how do you help people to, with their shame You're, as a coach for them to help yeah. them know that they're not bad people or they're not sick or something like that? Right. And I think it is helpful for me and for a lot of my clients to kind of look at it on, on sort of a spectrum, right? Of when I was diagnosed, I for sure threw myself like a week or two long pity party and really had a lot of shame and had to do a lot of healing around, oh my God, I have ADHD. Something for sure is wrong with me. Here's my proof, right? Because if something wasn't wrong with me, I wouldn't have had this like huge, scary diagnosis. Right. But then after I had learned about it and that's been, you know, three, four years ago. Right. And so looking at it on a spectrum of, okay, kind of over here on the left is negative a hundred. Right. And that's kind of where I view the land of something's wrong with me. I'm at a deficit. See, I have this diagnosis, something's wrong with me. Right. And then as you go, you kind of ladder or stair step your way to neutral, right. Going from negative to neutral before you go to positive. Right. And that helps me because sometimes I try to jump from negative a hundred 
to like positive 100 on the positive side and it doesn't work. It's too big of a leap. It's too big. Right. So even, yeah, like even just going to neutral of, okay, I have what is called ADHD. I have this diagnosis. I am a human, I have a human brain. Right. And then from there, after you've kind of made your home in zero, right. Then stair stepping your way to the positive side, if you want to, right. I choose to believe ADHD is a superpower. It makes me amazingly smart. It like is the reason I am who I am. Right. And so, but to get there, it's, it's taken from negative hundred to zero to positive hundred and all the numbers in between. Right. And so I think for, for more to your question is how do I start believing? Okay. Maybe, I mean, it really is just noticing where you're at. What are your thoughts about your diagnosis? If you do have ADHD, right. And what are you making that mean about you and noticing I have ADHD. I have this diagnosis is over here on this hand. Right. And then I'm a a completely worthy and lovable human on this other hand, they're totally separate. Just because you have one doesn't mean anything about you as a human. Right. 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 And I think it's easy to, without questioning that line of thinking, connect to those two. I have ADHD. Therefore I'm lesser of a human being. Something's wrong with me without questioning those. It's really easy to make that connection. And then it just runs in the background of your mind continuously without questioning it. Right. Part of what I was wondering was if by uh, telling people you have ADHD, but you know, there are 5 billion people that have it or whatever number makes sense. So you're not alone. You're not alone in this. You're not this, just some strange phenomenon here. Yeah. Yeah. And it's normal. It's very normal for people to be diagnosed with ADHD. Right. I don't know the statistics. I'm sure if I looked it up, it would also help right here, but you know, in terms of things to be diagnosed with ADHD is relatively common, which also aids your, you know, your thought of like, I'm not alone in this. There are other people that have it right. Cause it is easy for me in my journey in particular. And I'm glad you mentioned that Tom is like, it was really easy for me before I was in therapy, before I, you know, found life coaching it was super easy for me to believe I'm the only one that struggles with this. And this was even also before I was even diagnosed, right? right? Like, this is just the way I am. I'm the only person that struggles with this. Nobody else is going through what I'm going through. And so then it feels really lonely and really, yeah, that feeling of like, I am alone in this is, it just feels terrible in so many ways. And a lot of times prevented me from reaching out for help or even just like, for me, it's articulating what I'm going through, right? It just feels like kind of like, Mm, like the normal average day of, oh, well, something's just wrong with me. I'm the only person that struggles with this, you know, and then it's hard to reach out for help when you're believing that. Right. And to have you, the belief that anybody would understand this. I mean, when I yeah. know other people who go through this, I go, oh, so you understand what I'm talking about. You understand mm-hmm. why I'm, why I feel this way. And that's, that's very helpful. Mm-hmm. Totally. Now, when you have someone, what do people come to you for this? What, what are they, what kind of help can you give them? What kind of coaching do they need? I yeah. know varied it by, you know, nobody's, totally. not everybody the same, but what kind of examples do you have? Yeah. So a lot of times I do have clients coming to me and since I am a digital organization coach for people with ADHD and I help them to go paperless, a lot of the struggles that they present with are, I have this paper planner 
it sort of works, but also I'm not productive, not as productive as I want to be as productive as I know I am capable of, right? Because those of us with ADHD, a lot of times we're told, you know, whether it's from growing up in school or from whoever that not that we're not smart. I think a lot of people have been told that, but really the reality is for me and for a lot of my clients is we are so smart. People with ADHD have an on average higher intelligence than somebody without ADHD, right? Someone who is a neurotypical, right? Mm -hmm. And so really it's just figuring out like your unique traits with ADHD. And once you know how your brain works, right? As an ADHD brain and as your own brain, right? My brain as Morgan Dotson, right? Once you know how the computer works, then you can use it, right? If you have a super powerful computer, but you don't know how to use it, okay, well, that doesn't help, right? But once you, you know, you have the manual of how the computer works and then you figure it out, you tinker around and you figure out how it works. It's like, whoa, look what I can do. So a lot of times, you know, clients will come and they're having issues with the paper planner, whether it's, I've tried a digital calendar, it doesn't work, right? It's less about which app to pick and it's more about how you want to use the tool, right? And kind of reverse engineering what is working about the paper planner? And let's kind of metaphorically copy and paste that to the digital system, right? And then a lot of the things that I help them with too is, okay, so I want to go paperless. They will say, I have tried this app, this app, this app. It must be the wrong app is why I haven't been able to do it in the past. That could be, but also a lot of it has to do with really stepping back and deciding what's my workflow right? How do I want to structure these things regardless of what app? Because the truth is, is I recommend three categories of apps, right? Get a digital calendar, get a project management app and get a place to store your files. Something like a Google Drive or Dropbox, right? You can organize and digitize your entire life into those three apps. I do. And that's what I used up until I started a business. Now the business kind of has some separate stuff going on, but since I help individuals, right? With their personal productivity systems, those three apps are all they need, right? After that, after they've made that decision, then they can decide how they want to put it all in there, right? Without saying, oh, well, this app wasn't it. Let's throw it all away, throw the baby out with the bathwater. It's like, no, okay, let's break this down. There is a way to use just these three simple apps. So that's a huge part of it too. The other thing I help a lot of my clients with that if I really counted, I'm sure every single one of them has dealt with the same issue of just self-judgment right? Like I was saying kind of earlier in the podcast, if you're judging yourself for things you are doing or not doing, or should do faster or more of, or less of, you can't learn from why you're doing them in order to change doing them, whether you want to stop doing them or start doing something else. And a lot of times that's where, you know, the actual coaching and thought work comes in at is, Hey, I put this thing on my calendar and I didn't show up. I didn't do it. I'm like, okay, let's dive in, right? And learning from those reasons in order to move forward. And two, just the huge emotional dysregulation piece of ADHD, which has been a huge indicator for me as well, especially when I was going through getting that diagnosis is a lot of times for me, emotionally, it feels like very high highs and very low lows. And I think also that's why I was misdiagnosed at first with anxiety and depression. Cause once I was diagnosed with ADHD and solved for that, then the anxiety and depression kind of dissolved. Right. Um, and so learning how to identify emotions, 
what is this one that I'm feeling learning kind of how it feels in your body in terms of emotions are vibrations in your body caused by your thinking. Right. And so if you can learn about them and learning about what thoughts are causing them, then you can learn not just what thoughts are causing them, but if you learn what thoughts are causing them, then you can choose to think other thoughts if you want to feel differently. Right. Cause at the end of the day, our thoughts create our feelings, not the circumstances of the world, or I did this thing, or I didn't do this thing. Therefore I feel shame. Right. And so that's a huge piece too, is learning how to, you know, identify our feelings and feel our feelings. Right. Cause me as an ADHD and, and I know a lot of my clients too, is we have very large ambitions, right? We set very big goals. We have very big dreams. And in order to live a big life, you have to feel big emotions, right? It's not going to be rainbows and daisies and butterflies the whole way. I wish it was, but also then it wouldn't be any fun, right? So learning just that superpower skill of feeling your feelings, I think is that superpower skill we're all looking for. Well, yes, and knowing that it's all right to feel your feelings, because a lot of us as children, most of us, I suspect, were told it wasn't all right, you know, be quiet, don't make such a noise, don't be so upset, or whatever it might be, even don't laugh so much, you don't have so much fun. That was uh, me, yeah. And so, you know, you, you, you tamp those down, but now they're not gone, they're with us. So mm-hmm. part of what you're helping people with, I hear, is to have their feelings and, and not be afraid of those feelings. I think that's a very wonderful thing to, to be able to do. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, for sure. Because I think it's easy to, without questioning at first, to really feel afraid of our feelings, which is ironic since afraid and fear is an emotion. So we kind of have a feeling about our feeling that prevents us from feeling it. Right. <laughs> right. And getting a little meta in here today. But yeah, that's an excellent point. Yes. I, one thing as I'm listening to you is I wonder if you would have, do you have any clients or would have any clients in, that are businesses, a small business? I mean, the same uh, organizational skills can apply in a business that does in your personal life. Like, well, and your idea you're talking with a number of people who are probably are entrepreneurs. But uh, beyond that, do you ever work with, with companies? Yeah. I mean, that's a good observation, right? It's like, so I, me as a coach, as a life coach, I only work with individual people on their personal productivity systems. Right. So I purposely don't help, you know, like, let's say a small business owner wanted to hire me for their business operations and their business systems. I don't offer that, but what I do work with is, I mean, yes, of course I work with entrepreneurs, but a lot of times if the business systems aren't working as efficiently as they could be, a lot of times that indicates to me that their personal systems also, you know, aren't working. Right. And so step one is we need to figure out your personal life, right. As you, as a human versus you as an entrepreneur and a business, right. So, you know, with those types of clients, you know, we work on the personal stuff first and then they take it and run with it and they're applying it behind the scenes to their business. Right. But in terms of the mindset work and, you know, the strategy is once you master it on the personal level and you figured it out, then you can copy and paste what worked onto the business stuff. Right. And figure that out, you know, even years after we work together. Right. So that's a nice side effect. Well, you do have to know that the personal comes first. I mean, first there's a person and then they might grow into having a business somewhere. But totally. the personal is first. And, and you, it sounds to me like what you have found a, a wonderful mixture for yourself of having discovered that you have this diagnosis. How can you use your superpower 
to help other people. I imagine that feels very satisfying. Definitely. Definitely. Right. Like I used to really struggle with my weight and over drinking and doing a lot of things in excess that I didn't really love the effects of. And that's really common for people with ADHD. And then over the years, really channeling the desire for things that didn't serve me, right? Like overeating, over drinking, and really kind of just reallocating that desire into growing my business, which does help people. Right. And, and one of the things over the last several years, and really ever since, ever since probably like grade school, high school, right. My desire for digital organization for organization in general, right. Has, you know, whenever I trust it and I follow it, right. I believe like that is the destination, right? Like your desire is what is calling you to living your purpose, which sounds kind of a little woo woo, right. But has been so true for me. Right. And, and just kind of following those breadcrumbs that it leaves for me. And, and kind of to your question too, is really helping people is helping myself first, right. Creating that personal foundation of sufficiency in all all the areas, right? It could be emotional sufficiency in financial sufficiency, mental health, right? All the things, because then from there, I'm then able to go out and help people in the way that I'm called to serve, right? If I'm not working first to create that foundation for myself, anything I, you know, muscle above and beyond that isn't sustainable. Right. And so it's, it's that piece there. Um, well, I think it's absolutely true that you, if you are not doing it so it works for yourself, if you're not doing it for yourself first and then for other people, it won't work. But if you are doing it, I, this works for me. My podcasts work for me. It gives me great joy and, and great satisfaction and learning to, to work with other people and, and listen to them as we talk through a podcast. So it's working for me. Hopefully, therefore, it's working for the person I'm talking to and for the audience that's listening to it. But I think you start as we did. You say the first person comes first. You come first. You organize your health, your life, and bring it to other people in service. That works very well. So I think that works. Yeah. Yeah. And the other piece with that too, right, is I believe that I am an example of what's possible for people with ADHD, specifically women, right? And so it's almost my duty in fulfilling that purpose of mine to go out and set big goals and really be that example along the way of achieving them and doing big things, right? And so the more I succeed, the more others succeed along with me just by just by seeing me do it gives them permission to believe that it's possible for them too. So I think that that even is a huge motivator for me as well. Absolutely. And now that you bring that up, there may be others who are interested in learning more about this. So if somebody who is listening to us now would like to get in touch with you, to learn more, to, to maybe do what you're doing or maybe use your services, what's the best way for them to get in touch with you? Yeah, definitely. So I have a podcast as well. Um, it's called going paperless with ADHD and you can find that on Spotify and iTunes. Um, so that is where I teach all my most valuable concepts, right? It's not, you know, some kind of fluffy airy fairy thing. I jam pack it with value. And if you're interested in learning more about becoming digitally organized, or if you're curious, you know, more curious about your ADHD, a lot of my clients will come to me already knowing they have it or highly suspecting they have it. Right. And so, um, 
they may already have a good basis of knowledge about their ADHD, but you can learn about that as well on the podcast. You can also go to my website, which I'm sure you will link up in the show notes, but for the listeners who maybe don't catch the show notes, it's morgan.dodsoncoaching.com. And, um, you could find me there as well. And anyone interested in working with me can sign up for a free consult to see what it's like to work with me. Well, that's excellent. Uh, wonderful that you have all of that, the podcast included. And this has been a wonderful conversation. I thank you very much for being on this show and for sharing. I've learned a lot. I mean, it, it, it is interesting how many things we think we know. And then until you actually talk to somebody who's an expert in it, you realize how much I didn't know. So I'm learning a lot about that. So I thank you very, very much. Thank Absolutely. you for being with us. And I wanted to thank also our podcast family for listening to the show and for all the interesting questions and comments they have and invite them to come back to our very next episode. Thank you very much for, for being with me. Absolutely. Take care, Tom. Take care.